Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. It's a podcast about workplace culture, psychology, and life. A lot of podcasts have stopped doing the intro, haven't they? They just, boom, drop you in there because they sort of know that you've worked out who they are. Anyway, but not that here. I want to thank you for the downloads that I had. I had a huge amount of downloads, mainly from, I guess, newsletter newsletter subscribers in the first instance, but forwarding it on to other people. So there were, there were tens of thousands of downloads of the deck that I did, which was work in 2024, an aggregation of a lot of the research that passes my desk and a lot of the research that I spend my time delving into and reading about. And you can download that deck for free. It's in the show notes. Just the top team themes in it, the themes were that work isn't a happy place for most. Don't turn back the clock on flex the a a celebration of coordinated office time trust is the basis of good culture and managers 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 they were the the five themes and it leads us into today's discussion actually today's discussion is a conversation with anthony painter from the cmi anthony is the director of policy and external affairs at the cmi and i saw a piece of work that they'd put out about the accidental manager in November last year. It was a piece of work that really explored this interesting phenomenon where a lot of managers find themselves doing the job without being given any training. So by Anthony's estimation, by the CMI's estimation, about one in four of the workforce are managers. And yet they find themselves thrown into this job where the vast majority of them, 82% of them, enter management without any formal training at all. Therefore, you know, they're becoming that accidental manager. And it has a direct implication in my trends deck. I talked about the importance of managers and the challenge we've got is that to some extent, some of the issues that Britain suffers from, from a lack of productivity, probably could be directed towards lack of management training, a lack of management development. In fact, almost a a third of the the low productivity is potentially ascribed to this. So really interesting. You're going to really enjoy clicking into the show notes and having a look at some of the conversations here. But the, the reason why the context of this is so important is because The reason why most of us choose to leave jobs is managers. The reason why we sometimes find our job overwhelming and stressful and toxic is often managers. And addressing these things is really critical. I had a 
I've had a series of conversations with Francis Fry, actually. And Francis Fry, uh, if, if you scroll back through the podcast feed, you'll see the most recent interview with her a, a few weeks ago. And Francis Fry is like this this problem solver. She goes into big organisations, tries to solve the culture there and, and tries to get maybe toxic organisational culture onto a better footing. And I said to her, tell me what's the approach, what's the magic, what's the secret that you do? And her approach is training managers, which is just such a almost prosaic solution. But it gives you an illustration, really, that management training and and teaching people how to deal with other individuals has this real quality, this real value to it. That's why I wanted to chat to Anthony. Like I say, uh, the Chartered Management Institute are responsible for trying to create networks of managers, of trying to help people feel like they've got an expertise. They they provide training, as we will talk about, to uh, to thousands, hundreds of thousands of managers. And I think focusing on this challenge and recognizing that if we are going to make work better, if we get, we are going to make workplace culture better, then probably a lot of the responsibility falls on managers. It's a really critical consideration. So here's my discussion with Anthony Painter from the CMI. Anthony, thank you so much for welcoming me in. I wonder if you could kick off by introducing who you are and, and what you do here. Yeah, so I'm uh, Anthony Painter. I'm, I'm Director of Policy and External Affairs. So I look after the sort of the research that we, um, that we do, the data and insights around management and the future of work. Um, I look at sort of policy questions. What does that mean for public policy, regional policy and so on, the wider economy? Um, and then I, I also manage our external relations uh, as well. And, you know, CMI is a, is a chartered professional body for management and leadership. That's our bread and butter. We exist to improve the quality of management and leadership. And what is the CMI? How many people are, are part of it? So we've got about um, 200,000 uh, uh, members, about 150,000 people at any given time are doing one of our qualifications. That might be the Charter Manager Award. It might, they might be doing a degree course that's also accredited by us, or it might be a management apprenticeship, right? So one of the main ways in which we seek to improve the quality of management leadership is by upskilling the managerial workforce in the UK and beyond. Right, because the, one of the things that comes up as a perennial challenge of the world of work right now, actually, is that as we navigate uncertainty and complexity, that the job of manager in every capacity has become a lot harder. And so is the organisation effectively trying to train and empower those people? Um, we try to empower them. We try to define what good modern management is in a complex environment, as you're descri- describing. We've seen a lot of change in the last last few years. In many ways, we haven't seen enough change because there isn't a big enough public conversation, like it seems to me, about what management is, what it should do, what we, we should expect of managers and what we should do to support them. So we try and put those things in place, whether it's giving managers the tools to navigate complex issues in their teams or organisation, thinking about what management management should focus on you know in a in a modern service based economy whether that's public services or, or or private services of different different types and we try to ensure that managers have the skills they need to be effective um, within their organizations so so you and I got in touch after i was um, charmed by some research you, you did i think in november 2023 which was about the role of managers and how often how often people find themselves in managerial roles without any training or any step up. So I think this idea of a novice manager, or and, and I was really struck by that. So do you want to just fill us in first what the research actually said? 
Yeah, so we, we, we looked in a whole range of factors. Um, you know, we, we, we surveyed about um, 2,500 workers, 2,000 managers. So it was a big survey. Um, and we wanted to get to the bottom on um, people's experience in management, either as managers or people who are managed. Of course, that's everyone in the workforce pretty, pretty, pretty much. I mean, the key core stat that we, um, that we unearthed is that 82% of managers are accidental managers. And by that we mean is when you become a manager for the first time, you haven't had any formal skills or training in how to do the job. I've been there. I don't know whether you've been in there in that situation. I got my first managerial job on the basis of my expertise in research and policy, um, not on the basis of the fact that I had any managerial capability. And my experience, as so many, um, was, you know, I just thought I'd be naturally good at it. And I wasn't, you know, I had to learn. Um, and, you know, some very, very, very tough lessons. And actually, it would have been far better to have had that um, grounding, that foundation when I became a manager. But I think that experience is almost anybody that goes into the managerial workforce. And, and how do you help those people then? So, so 82% of, of people are going into managerial roles and they're not getting any sort of preparation for it. If you were to provide support and help and guidance for those people, how do people navigate the world of being a manager these days? What are the challenges that they face? The modern economy is is based on on people. Of course, you know, the economy is always based on people, but especially in you know modern service based technological digital world, and um, that we're now in, how you create value is about the relationships that you have, how you work with others, how you interrelate, the trust that you can generate, the support and development you can give one another, um, and. All of those things come back to this role of the manager, whether it's line manager, project manager, in different guises. And so that capability, you know, one managers need to know what it means to be effective, to have some core knowledge and practice, if you like. Now, CMI has a sort of set of professional standards, and in the centre of that is sort of purpose. You know, it's 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 ethics and sustainability and inclusivity. And then as we go out, you know, around this standards wheel, it's about how you um, interrelate with others others how you develop others it's about how you organize processes and maybe we'll come on to that and talk about the modern world of work and oppression now you've talked a lot about emails and meetings and that burden that creates our management how do you navigate that and create effective organizations mechanically in many respects and then it's about self-management as well how do you manage your own emotions how do you manage the tensions that you feel yourself the trade-offs that you're faced in any given environment so once you've got that core knowledge and expertise it's about how you apply that in particular settings and that's where your sort of technical knowledge base your knowledge of a sector and industry comes in okay so you, d- you do training for people within different sectors as well or guidance within different sectors Ma- management is a is, is a universal set of skills and it is skills um, that you apply in particular contexts so whether you're in you know distribution retail tech professional services government public services way management is implemented matters in that context but the fundamental things that you're doing have similarity across the board now if you were to take me out of my policy research and external affairs role and drop me into managing an it team well that would be ridiculous it just wouldn't work you know i haven't got the general skills to do that and nor nor has anybody so you've got to have a grounding in the area but you've also got to have a grounding in what it means to be an effective manager right and what you're hearing back from people because the job of manager is always the one that's criticize actually it's it's a, it's a middle manager they always take the blame for everything and, and actually when you go into an organization you find that the middle manager is acting as sort of this 
this semi-permeable membrane. They're sort of, they're getting criticism from below, criticism from above. And actually they do a remarkable job of trying to mitigate often unreasonable demands from workers, unreasonable demands from leaders. And they, they try and sort of, they're trying to balance it. What, what are you hearing from people about the role of manager? I get a sense, and I, I, I think there's a, I mean, it sounds like an odd thing to say, perhaps, but I think there's a British aspect to this as well. There's something culturally specific around, we, we do have a disdain for, for, for the manager, and we, and we give them a sort of lack of esteem in, in culture and politics and policy. You know, you think about the, the managers that we, that we always think about, you know, it is a David Brent, or so the rest of it, you can be a bit cliched about this. Um, but nonetheless, we don't see it as a, as a serious endeavour. And yet, and yet... About a third of the difference in productivity between the UK and the US is down to management capability. Yeah. Give me some more guidance on that. So, so have you helped to identify that? So a third of the productivity gap that we hear about all the time, we hear about that French workers get as much done by Wednesday afternoon as, as British workers do all week. So, so when we look at it specifically, ma- lack of management expertise is one of the challenges. Yeah, and th- that's the academic evidence. So there, there is a world management survey that looks at all these all these factors, and they've analysed different factors between different um, countries. There's a whole series of academics, and it constantly comes back down to this question of management. So it's not. So yes, it is about technology, and yes, it is about organisational development, access to capital, and the type of market that you've got. So for example, the US has a big single market, very competitive, and that drives management capability because they've got big supply chains you have to be competitive you have to manage manage well but overall there is there is a differential and i think one of the thing that drags us down is this sort of cultural attitude you see in politics and you see in the media that the manager is there to be knocked and blamed rather than something someone that's been there to be supported and developed and that's critical to national success whether it's economics or public services Right, that's that's really intriguing. So the the job's incredibly hard. Actually, if we leaned into this, these are big productivity gains from it. One of the things that really strikes me as well is that the the job has become endlessly more complex by the changes that we've witnessed in the last four years. That people are working with a degree more autonomy now, or or degree more control over location, a degree more control over how they're working, and if. A lot of the management, if it is a layperson role, if it's an accidental manager, I suspect we fall into a heuristic of thinking, this is how I used to do the job. And so consequently, this, this big shift in four years might mean that you've got a dis, dis, dissonance between how someone did the job themselves when they were doing the job and how they want to manage others now. How do we navigate that? So what was really interesting in, in the, the, the research that we did on, on better managers is that the number one thing that both workers and managers thought was important in their role was flexibility. Number one, and almost 50% of respondents mentioned flexibility. And I think that speaks to the type of change that you're, that you're describing. That I think what we started done through the pandemic, maybe before it, but it was accelerated by the pandemic, we started to question whether the ways in which we were working were, were, were ways which were necessary. And the answer has been a resounding no. Actually, you know, there are more often than not better ways of having a working life, still doing your work, still being productive, still doing a good job. Um, but 
aligning that to the other things that are going on in your life and your own personal needs as well. And that's the thing that's been disrupted. And, you know, while everyone went remote, of course, for, through the lockdowns and a period of time in in, um, in the pandemic, we've gone more back to a hybrid situation where it's possible to do so. Now, you know, it, it's important also to generalise. There are lots of industries where it isn't possible to do so. If you work at a hospital or a distribution warehouse or a retail outlet, it's not so possible to do so. You have to think about what flexibility looks like in those settings, settings too. But in general, people have gone to a more hybrid existence. And the reason is um, it doesn't seem to have harmed productivity in any identifiable sense where it's well managed. And you know, that's a critical factor here. So the accidental manager, the untrained manager, um, the manager without the skills to adapt will struggle more than a manager that has those skills, no matter what change we see in the workplace. Okay. It's really intriguing. It's sort of... Um, of the 200,000 members that you've got, how many managers do you think there are in the UK? It must extend into millions. Yeah, we think we think about 25% of the workforce um, are, have management responsibility. That means they've either got manager in their job title or they manage or supervise somebody. Um, yeah, it's about a quarter of people in the workforce. So in and of itself, it's a big chunk of people who work in the UK. And you mentioned the, the, the thing that we can all relate to, because if you've ever been a manager... I, you, you always have a sense, if you're being honest with yourself, of feeling like you're constantly failing, like you're doing stuff wrong, that you're not getting it right. Um, is that the experience of a lot of people in management roles that they feel like they haven't got, a, they lose that sort of connection, that friendship group, that sense that they can relate to other people? Is the benefit of having a network like yourself that finally you've got someone that you can talk to and connect with? I think you've you've touched on one of the key things or the key reasons why people get involved with a, either a membership body like like CMI or get management qualifications different types ours or, or, or other management qualifications that it gives them um, the, the 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 theory the knowledge the tools that they can apply and be measured in applying so they know they're doing competently and so for example our Charter Manager Award we are, you know people are observed how they apply the theory within their team within within their organisation. And when they do that, um, they then have more confidence, right? And, and we can demonstrate there's more confidence. And actually, when people do formal management qualifications, they start to get promoted and pay rises and so on because they are seen to be more capable in their work. You've mentioned awards there. What does excellence look like here? When you see the very best organisations that have sort of systematised these sort of have made excellence look good, what's it look like? They care about people, and and not just in 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 sort of they're they're, they're nice and caring. That's that's all that's all important. Um, but they know that people, you know, they they will pursue purpose. They need to be supported, developed, and challenged when necessary as well. Being a good manager is not just taking anything. You've got to know how to give the right the right feedback. So you'll do all those things, and you'll 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 do them early on, um, and you'll do them uh, consistently and and systematically. Um, you will think about how your organization operates, always looking for innovation, creativity, um, improvements, um, and you will know how to manage your own uh, emotions and needs so you don't burn out, for, for, for example. And at the core of it, you will have a sense of values and purpose that is aligned to your team, that is aligned to your organization. And when you've got all those things in place and they're consistent um, and, and people actually live and breathe those values authentically, not just performatively, then I think you've got something that looks like it. It's interesting that you added that qualification purpose at your team level and at your company level because one of the things that really strikes me about purpose I sometimes when I hear the word purpose that as much as I can believe that it's it's motivating and, and mobilizing quite often it's a little bit 
off in the distance. It feels not really touchable. I've worked in organizations where the purpose is incredibly lofty, but doesn't really speak to what I'm doing today. And so it's interesting that you mentioned purpose at a team level. So is that the job of a, a manager, a leader to some extent, to, to produce their own sort of articulation of purpose for something that's far more micro? Yeah, I think it, it it probably is, and of course, it doesn't work if there is then a sort of massive contradiction between that and and what what you know, the, the values that the organisation demonstrates you know, culturally on a day in and day out basis. Um, but I I think there is something around there's an importance to belonging, right? And you get belonging at work when you feel that you're part of you know something you want to be part of. And community is probably a bit a grandiose term to describe it, um, but you're feeling you're working people who bring different things to the party might have different perspectives but you feel you've got a common cause there and you feel motivated to do a um, a good job um, and when you ha- when, when you have that sense of belonging and alignment then you get that motivation and what's really interesting in the data of course is we split the data looking at those with effective managers versus those with ineffective managers those with effective managers feel more motivated to do a job good job they feel more supported more developed more a part of belonging more likely to recommend um, the company or the organization uh, to others so you know that belonging purpose identity is critical alongside good management is that one of the what the key metrics, because obviously, you know, I immerse myself in some things like the, the Gallup Workforce Survey. And the, one of the good things that the Gallup Workforce Survey tells us is that on their definition of engagement, engagement levels are relatively low. And, and one of the things that they speak to in the analysis of that is they say, largely, these things are a reflection of managers. You know, like the, the vast majority of the things that serve to disengage people are that they don't feel seen, they don't feel understood, they feel their workload isn't um isn't respected and so consequently they feel burnt out all of those things they pinpoint on managers do you witness do you see similar levels of engagement that Gallup see and and what are the what are the things that you would look for so you mentioned along the way there that that metric of would you recommend this firm to other people what are the other quick examples that we might call call out if we wanted to do a degree of self-diagnosis diagnosis i think you know whether whether you um uh, you you feel that you you you, you're in a learning environment that you that you develop um that you think your organization has a good um uh culture You'd recommend the organization to others. Those are the sorts of things that if I was to do a sort of, you know, look at the sort of the workforce health of an organization and Gallup do this, those, those are the sorts of things I'd look at. And we, we have an odd conversation around this often. So it's, it's very similar. The engagement conversation is very similar to the inclusivity and diversity conversation that suddenly you focus on these things in and of themselves and you, and, and you elevate them and say, look, this, this is the important thing to do. But actually there is a, there is a, there, there is a much stronger way of looking at this. And actually the, you know, the organization that have the strongest workforce engagement they are also the most successful organizations and some mckinsey data on this as well and the same thing with diversity and inclusion those that are more inclusive have better outcomes going back to that survey you know where we looked at effective and ineffective manager and all those sort of um that th- those radar points that we um that th- that we talked about effective managers perform much higher than ineffective manager and all those factors we we, we just talked about and when i say much higher i don't mean sort of 10 15 percentage points higher it's 50 percentage points higher on some of those metrics it's 50, 40, 50, 60% is the, is the difference with having an effective and ineffective manager on whether you feel sort of motivated to work for an right. organization and so on. Jeff Brady, one of the things we saw, there was a, a piece of work by KPMG a couple of months um, before your work saying that 
uh, two thirds of British managers believe that we're going to end up back at the five day office. And I just wondered, all of the things you've said to me there haven't necessarily talked about location or place or, or configuration. Do, do you have a perspective of what the best case use of, of a shared workspace is? Yeah, that's a good good question. And isn't it that that sort of two thirds figure probably needs a bit of unpacking? So of course, I guess about forty percent of the workforce basically have to be in place sort of five days a week because they're working in a shop or a hospital or a school or something of that nature. So you can understand a big chunk. And what that suggests is of the remainder, roughly about say a third, forty percent are kind of stuck in the old way of thinking about the world. Um and um, and whilst I think it is important to have some time together, whether that's in sort of regional hubs or in in in, in an HQ, because you need to generate those sort of bonds of trust and belonging that we that, that we're talking about. There's no reason to go back to five days a week in the office, um, for example. So, what does a good shared space um, uh, look like? Um, I think it's more about the people than the space. I know you know a lot a lot of people who design offices and how that works and interacts with people. Um, will 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 say something very differently, and of course, you know they're they're right on some of the science and the metrics. But do you want to be in that place with people to do certain things that you couldn't do um, without that sort of interpersonal contact? So I think a best designed uh, experience is one that makes those interpersonal um, contacts important and ingrains that in the culture, without then sort of flipping back to the old way of doing things, which very few people felt was the right thing to do. As you're sort of looking forward into 2020 and beyond what are the things that you would ask people to watch out for is the role of middle manager as important as people are saying and and what should organizations do to to think about arming those people for the future i'm gonna make a big pitch here on this one because i think actually i think we've got a problem with how we think about middle management in 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 the uk i think politically um we pay lip service to it to the extent that it gets any attention at all Yet, you know, we've got an economic model um, that is clearly not working. You know, as an economy, we haven't been getting more productive, particularly for a decade and a half or more. Um, you know, growth rates have been very low. The cost of living crisis is severe on, on, on people and so on. So the current economic model is not working. If we are to get to a new economic model, um, you know, I think about green transition, all those things and modern industries and the industries of the future, we need to think about what we need to do to develop our managers across the board in different ways, right? If we are to reform public services, because we've got a fiscal crisis as well, we need to think about how we get uh, more out of managers in, in public services by helping and supporting them. This is a great example by the way, in, in, in the Times uh, recently, um, Ray Sylvester had an article on high-intensity theatres in Guys in St. Thomas's Hospital. And basically what they've done there is they set up two parallel operating theatres that are basically ready for the surgeon to go from one operating theatre to, to, to the next. And they've increased productivity by some you know, 40 50% or something like that. So we're going to have to think about those things in public services going forward. So we need a bigger conversation about the role of management there. We've done a lot of work on public services. Um, and where there are better managers, there are uh, much better public service outcomes, whether that's in health, education, um, or local government. So we need to have that conversation. And then, you know, that broader societal conversation about what we need to face the future then needs to be embedded within organisations. And organisations need to think very seriously around are they training their people, their managers effectively enough to develop and perform in the ways that they need them to do. They need it as individuals, but organisations need that managerial capability to thrive as well. 
Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. One of the things that we're witnessing for, for a lot of people is the lived experience of work is a, a feeling of overwhelm, of, of overwhelm because of digital demands on us. And those demands might be meetings, calendar invites, emails, Slack messages. What's your perspective on where we're going with that? And, and is there a contribution that managers can help t- to, to mediate those challenges? I think managers are, are, are feeling a sense of organisational burden in too many settings, particularly in large organisations, um, interestingly. We just did some data looking at how much time managers are spending doing emails, in meetings, and dealing with sort of admin tasks. Um, 28% of, of, of those um, that we surveyed um, are spending more than six hours on each of those things, emails, meetings. A day? Yeah, exactly. It's a no-sleep culture. So that's 18 hours a week against you know an average working week which is 42 hours which by the way is six or seven hours more than they're contracted to do so we're looking at about half their working week being on in those tasks at the same time only eight percent of managers think that their workforce is ai ready so some of the things that we're talking about the organizational efficiency and opportunity and so on workplaces are not yet ready um not ready for what sorry for ai okay you know. So, so they're not ready um, yet to adopt um, AI and efficiency, but there, there needs to be a sort of thinking around how much time are we burning through? You had Francis Fry on your, your program a couple of weeks ago, and quite clearly this is a, this is a felt experience you know, across economies and so on. So I think from the perspective of managers, you know, in the next year or two, we need to think around how much time are we wasting we don't need to waste and how much more can we put that to more creative, innovative, productive purposes. A lot of this feels like job design. Like we, we, we never take a moment to sort of design work. I'm really struck, I just came back from a trip to the US, I'm always struck in the US by restaurant servers compared to UK restaurant servers because they appear to be trained. They appear to be a participant in a performance and like it's a bigger tipping culture there. But, you know, they come up, they've got a very clear agenda to sell you the items on the menu and to upsell you. And it's, you know, irrespective of what the profile of the server is, they... And you get a lot more restaurant servers in their 
fifties and sixties than you do. Yeah. Like it's really interesting, yeah. interesting comparison. But the one thing that's very clear when you go through an experience of eating in a US restaurant, you think people have been trained here. Everyone's been trained. Quite often in the UK, you get a sense that there's an amateurish sense that maybe they they've done a bit of this job before, but they don't really know the menu. They don't know. They can't upsell you. They can't give you a bit of advice on things. Look, and and that's a very superficial, subjective perspective on the fact that the way that they see industry there is has got training more at the heart of what they do. And we get by with the cult of the amateur here. Now, that then leads into some of the discussion we've had here that, you know, if there's a productivity gap between UK business and American business, then looking at the way that they think about training, development, systemic elements seems like a really important place to start. And it just strikes me in all of the discussion we've had here, we need to sort of professionalize our approach in the UK to all manners, all, all manner of trying to do things more effectively. And one of the most important parts of that right now is getting managers better trained. Is, is, yeah, is that a I think you've hit I think the, the, the job design dimension that you've touched on is so... so. I, I remember, by the way, getting a bar job when I was a teenager. Mm. And the training I had was, um, you know, here's, here's a pint glass, just make sure you don't get beer on the ceiling. But no, it is about job design and it is about managers and it is about the workforce. It is about the level of professionalism. I think what the US does very well, it aligns incentives and culture, right? So there's incentive with the tipping system. You know, clearly there is a huge commercial incentive and drive um, behind it. But then there's a culture of improvement alongside that. So it, it's got quite a good balance, actually, in its most successful businesses in the US. We see that in, in some of UK um, organizations. We don't see it universally enough. So I think we should challenge ourselves to think about the job design at every level. And that absolutely includes how we design the right roles, capabilities and skills for middle managers. Thank you to Anthony. And like I say, this whole load of stuff in the show notes for that. These, um, just a real exploration of that idea that bad managers are responsible for one in three of us leaving our jobs. And it, it's a real critical reminder of the importance of these things. Really grateful for your company today. There's, uh, there's a few more things, episodes coming up where I've had conversations with people that have been recording. I just want to put those out, uh, not least sort of visiting a, a, NHS hospital embarking and and also a, a conversation about the role of trust, which again was one of my five themes for 2024. So you're going to find a whole load of goodness in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I've been Bruce Taylor. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.